man, there's nothing cooler than seeing um, over 100 women come together. And, and, you know, I got to sneak in and see through the back door what was going on. And, and it was pretty remarkable to see all this happen. So, so if you weren't part of it, I want you to know that your church got to move one step closer to Jesus this weekend. And you're part of us. Amen? That's awesome. Hey, one thing I want to tell you this morning, I don't know, do you realize that your church is growing? I don't know if you realize that, but it's growing, right? You, did you know that we have, we have a whole nother group of people that call us home? I don't you realize that, but they're actually online. Do you realize that? There's a whole group of people that go to church, to your church, that don't even live in Washington. They live all over the country. Did you know last year, last month, last month, over 220 views of our videos online. It's crazy, right? It's awesome. Come on. It's crazy, right? There's so many things that are happening. We're so excited about that. We're getting a communication from people whose lives are being changed because they're watching us. So we love you. There we go. No, so listen, I'm pretty excited about that. And, and, but I want to tell you this. I know, I know a little behind the scenes that the team that's doing all this work, there's, by the way, if you want to be on that video tech team, they're pretty amazing, and you'd love to be in that group of people because they don't just do a job. They do a ministry. I'm telling you, it's pretty remarkable. If you want to just grab one of them, and they'll, they'll, they'll sign you up. Right? But I can tell you this, one of the things that I've known about this particular ministry is that they have to, uh, they have to put stuff together uh, by duct tape and bailing wire <laughs> in a lot of ways. And I mean that with all due respect, because you would never notice it when you look at it on the other end on the video online. But the truth is, it takes twice, maybe three times longer to edit than it should. It, it, there's so many more things. You know, we'd, we'd like to have an offering of streaming videos, which, which literally means being able to watch us at home online real time, right? We'd love to do all that stuff, but the truth is we're still needing to raise a little money to make that happen, right? So we started this thing called Vision Forward. It's, it's an initiative that I want to come before, and on the 24th, that's two weeks from now, I, I want us to raise $6,000 to get them all the equipment that they need, right, to make that happen so that we can actually do the ministry with the people online like the way that we can, Right? Oftentimes we come before them and there'll be one fella sitting down or one gal sitting down to edit, you know, like I said, for hours instead of just being able to edit on the fly. I want to be able to make that happen. So we need to raise around $6,000 to make Vision Forward happen. And in two weeks, we'll receive that offering. So I'd like you to really pray to join us and to join the rest of your church that's online being a part of this. Will you do that? Will you join me in prayer as we get ready for that? If you'd like to go online and give earlier, you certainly can. You can go to uh, pscc.net. There's a drop-down menu that literally, that if you click give, it'll tell you. Go ahead and the, the tech offering is what it'll be called, all right? So can we pray about that offering right now? Jesus, thank you so much for an opportunity to reach people in ways that who would have thunk it? God, you do, Lord. Somehow you do. There's people who are listening to us or watching us right now, God, and we ask you to touch their lives. God, heal their lives. Give them the courage to move forward in their faith with you. Lord, help us to raise the money that's needed to buy the equipment to make that process more, more smooth. We love you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You'll hear about it a little bit more of that next week. Listen, we are in a second week of our four-week series entitled, I'm Not Good Enough, or I'm Not Enough, or I'm Not Happy Enough. Simply, I'm Not Blank Enough. It doesn't take a lot of imagination to fill in the blank, does it? Every one of us can read the things up on the screen and simply, I'm not blank enough, and come up with good enough, smart enough, happy enough, financially secure enough. I mean, you go on and on, right? 
All of the enough, right? We, we, we get bombarded with the you're not enough statement, well, from every angle possible. It doesn't take long for us to flip on your phone or turn on the TV or walk into the other room to finally, or to even, well, cross by the mirror and realize that you think you're, well, not enough. I mean, I can tell you the funny irony about this particular statement is that every one of us has said this sentence, almost every one of us, in one form or fashion already several times this morning. You looked in the mirror when you got out of bed. Whatever it was, you said, I'm not enough. It's interesting because the I'm not enough statement voice comes from all sorts of areas. Sometimes we, we hear it on the voices from our past. The voices from our past, you know, the dad, who your father who said, you're not this enough, you're not that enough. Or your mom that said, you know what, maybe you even hear that today from her, you're not something enough. Some of us even hear voices that aren't even real. You know, the voices that you think people are saying because you think you know what they're thinking because you think that they thought that you think that they thought, next thing you know it is. The funny thing is, you understood that. Because you know what I'm talking about, that, that voice that says you're not enough, you'll never be enough, all that business, over and over again. We've been talking about this last week, about what is it going to take for us to realize who it is that we are with our new identity in Christ? How is it that we come to the place that we realize who God says that we are? The next two weeks after this one, we're going to continue to unpack who God says that you are, because I think it's so imperative as we do that. So as we embark on this journey today, can we, can we join me as we pray and prepare our hearts to receive this word from heaven? God, we help us today to open our hearts to hear from you. We love you, God, and boy, I know how important this is. In Jesus' name, amen. Why is it so important that we know who we are? Why is it so important that you know who you are? Why is it so important that you have to come to grips and perhaps just determine your identity. Why is it so vital? Why why would I set four sermons aside to talk about our identity and figure out who we are? Why is it so important? I'll tell you why. Because when you realize who it is that you are, there's nothing you can't do. See, when you realize who it is that God says that you are, you'll understand what you're finally capable of. See, I don't really know if you understand how capable you are, how God has made you in his image. How God said, I've made you like me, right? He made you in his image. He didn't make you like an animal, right? Animal is just this insatiable desire to continue to have its He didn't make you like that, though people would want to make us act like that. The truth is, you were created in the image of God, fearfully and wonderfully made. So I think it's amazing to me, the devil... um, the devil has done everything he possibly can to twist and, and contort and, and distort your identity. Why? Why does he care so much about what you believe about you? What difference does it make to him that you matter and that you know what you are? I mean, it's just no, no business to him. You know why it makes such a big deal to him? <laughs> because if you find out who you really are, he loses his grip on your life. Someone say amen. Amen. If you discovered who it is that you really are, he'll lose his grip on you. Because then you'll finally realize what you're capable of. I'm not saying glory to you, but I am saying this. Glory to God because he's made you in his image. 
I think some of us just forget. We just kind of, we kind of tend to think that God just made us and, you know, he made everyone else really great, but us, he kind of, you know, he just took a yawn and made us. You know, and somehow he just, eh, forgot some of the things and just got away with just getting by with us. No, man, don't underestimate what God's made in you. He's made you individually you because he likes you. See, the devil doesn't want you to know who you are, you know, because because you were created in the image of God, listen to this. How many of you ever uh, gone to the store, you know, you go to a shoe store and you see the cute little Nikes or the cute little mountain boots or whatever it is for babies? They're like grown up adult boots, but they're just for little people that can't even like walk. You know what I'm talking about? You're just like, hey, those are great running shoes for an infant that can't crawl. Come on. And they cost the same, right? <laughs> go figure, right? <laughs> Crazy, right? Because they're they're like an image of the bigger image, right? Do you realize that you are walking, literally, you look like God. You're created in his image. And the devil hates God because the devil can't mess with God. You know what he wants to do? He wants to mess with the image of God. Literally, he wants us, get this, he wants us to walk around, he wants us to walk around like a little mockery. He wants you to walk around and go like, I can't, I'm nothing, I'm worthless, whatever. Because he knows that you were created in God's image, but if he can distort and destroy and contort who it is that you are, then you, you're like a, a mockery of God walking around. Oh, but could you imagine? Could you imagine if you just knew what God said about you? And you knew who it is that you are? You would be incapable of so much more than you think. You'd find security, you'd find peace, peace of mind. Isn't that the, the desire of the human soul, peace of mind? That's why we sin, because we want peace. Did you realize that? That's why we sin, because we just want some peace. We want to feel better. That's what sin's all about, just avoiding that thing that hurts and feels yucky. I want to feel good for a minute, so we sin, because we're all striving for peace of mind. But God said he gave you peace. The problem is, is we don't know how to walk in it. And we become this living mockery of God. And the devil just snickers. He doesn't have to try real hard. Because we keep on listening to all other crazy voices around us. And he gets happy because you don't know who you are. Hmm. So who does God say that we are? Who does God say that we are? Ephesians 2.10 says this. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us new in Christ so that we could do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Get this. You're God's masterpiece created for doing the good things in Christ that he planned for you long ago. Wait a minute. So God created you to do good things? Do you realize that? He created you to do good things. Like he, his intention was for you to live a good life and do good things, right? That's his plan. Here's the funny thing. The Bible says he created you as his masterpiece. Like you, you're, you're the centerpiece of the table. He loves you. He likes you like you. <laughs> but we don't realize that. See, most of us actually read that passage of Scripture just a little backwards. Instead of saying, I'm God's masterpiece created in Christ to do good things, we kind of tend to think that, well, God, certainly you can't love me because I'm, well, I'm not, I'm not whatever. And instead of that, we simply say, well, if I do a bunch of good things, then maybe God will create something in, in him that he likes me. In other words, we'll do the good work so that we can become his masterpiece. We get it all backwards and get it all tired. Next thing you know, we're just, just walking around spinning dust cloud trying to become something he already says you are. 
And he's convinced us that we all need to work harder and harder and harder to gain the approval of God who already says he loves you. Hmm. The series is called I'm Not Enough. I'm not enough. I want to talk to you about your creation, your new creation identity. And if there's one message that's loud and clear is that message is of I'm not enough. The devil is a master thief. The Bible says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. John 10.10. 10. I believe with all my heart that he comes to steal your time. He wants to kill your identity. And he wants to destroy your future. He wants to steal your time. Why does he want to steal your time? Because time is something you can never get back. If he could take a minute of your life and cause you to worry, you'll never get that minute back. If he can give you a second of anxiety, just a second of anxiety and take it away, and that you're, instead of living for Christ, you're living in anxiety for one second, you'll never get that second back because he's stolen it from you. He wants to steal your time. He wants to kill your identity. Why? Because we just said, if you begin to understand who you really were, he'll lose his grip on you. He wants to destroy your future. Why? Because he, he doesn't like you. He doesn't fight fair. The devil does not fight fair. He is wicked. He is mean. He's a deceiver. He's been a deceiver for a really long time. Do you realize that your identity, the identity of who it is that God says we are, really began in the very first issue in the Garden of Eden? I don't know if you realize that or not, but that was the original thing that caused Adam and Eve to sin. Do you realize that? Like, literally, he was, he was coming into the Garden of Eden, and the devil says this, Hey, Adam and Eve, Adam... I know there's no sin on the planet, the devil would say. I know there's no sin on the planet. There's no sin in you. There's no sin in Eve. There's nothing. You're living in a perfect environment, Adam. Everything is perfect, Adam. But you're not enough. You're not enough. You're not good enough. You're not happy enough. You're not pretty handsome enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not whatever enough. How do I know he said that? Because he said, listen, you, if you eat that apple or you eat that fruit on that tree, you can become something other than you. Because you're not good enough like you are. It's been going on for a long time. <laughs> Here's the funny thing about us. We're, we're like fish, right? Fish. You, you know fishing, right? When you go fishing, you, you put the lure on or the right bait on. Let me tell you this. Fishermen never change their bait if they're catching fish. You don't need to change your bait. The devil hasn't had to change his bait for, well, ever. Because we still keep on biting on the I'm not enough thing. I'm not enough. That's what he's been saying. He, he tried to do the same thing to Jesus. Remember Luke chapter 4? Remember when Pastor Omar came up a few weeks ago and he preached a message about Jesus are being led after being baptized by John the Baptist and being led into the desert? Remember that sermon? He talked about the Holy Spirit leading him into the, the wild things and he talked about that. Amazing message. You need to go online and watch it. Come on. Listen to what it says. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 verse 1 through 3 says this. Then Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan River. He was led by that same Holy Spirit to go out into the wilderness where the devil tempted him for 40 days. He ate nothing all the time. He was very hungry. The devil said to him, if you're the son of God, then change a stone into bread. Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say that people need more than bread for their life. When the devil took him and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in one moment in time, the devil told him, I'll give you all the glory of these kingdoms and the authority over them because they're mine to give to anyone I please. I'll give them all to you if you'll just bow down and worship me. 
Jesus said, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God only and serve him only. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, if you're the son of God, then jump off. The scriptures say that he orders his angels to protect and guard you. and They will hold you in their hands and they will keep you from striking your, striking your foot against a stone. And Jesus responded, the scripture also says, do not test the Lord your God. When the devil had just finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. Hmm. It's interesting to me that the devil tempted Jesus in the area of his identity. If you're the son of God. (laughs) If you're the son of God. Listen to this. There's three places that he really tempted Jesus. He tempted him. By the way, do you know Jesus was tempted because he had the possibilities of sin? You know why? Because he was human. Completely God and completely human. I think sometimes we forget that. And we think like, ah, oh, it's Jesus. He was Jesus. He could do, he could do Jesus. <laughs> Let me tell you this. Jesus lived by the same power of the Holy Spirit that you can. Right? The, the Bible says he, he, he walked in accordance with his father. Literally, God set him up and said, I want you to walk this thing out. He had to die as a perfect human being. That's what he did for you and I, right? He couldn't just die as God. He had to die as human for our sin. But listen to the area that he was tempted. He was tempted with his willingness to satisfy his flesh. He says here in verse three, if you're the son of God, then change this loaf into bread. He was tempted with a desire to take a shortcut. How do I know that? Well, as the devil said in verse seven, I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world if you worship me. What's the shortcut? The shortcut's simply this. The end of this whole thing, the devil knew that Jesus was gonna be, well, the Lord over the universe. (laughs) He was gonna be the master of it all, right? The same thing devil promised him. Here's the shortcut. The devil said, hey, I'll tell you what. Because I'm the kingdom of this world right now, the king of this world right now, he says, listen, the devil goes, here's the deal. I'll give it all to you, and you don't have to take that whole cross and beating thing. You don't have to die for this. I'll just let you have it. The devil loves giving shortcuts. He loves to put them in front of you because he knows that they're not real. <laughs> tries to tempt Jesus that way. He also tries to tempt Jesus in his loyalty to the truth. The devil used the Bible against Jesus. Lobs it out. The Bible says, right? You know, I wonder sometimes, I don't know about you, but you ever read the Bible and you say to yourself, like, I always say this, you ever read the Bible and you raise an eyebrow because you just think like, what? Or is it just me? Right? The Bible says he was baptized by John and then the Holy Spirit led him out into the desert to be tempted by the devil. What? God led him out to be tempted. I mean, just read that. And is there a party? Come on, it's not just me. Or you're just kind of like, what, really? Why in the world would God send Jesus out to be tempted? Why? So that, so that Jesus could discover who he really was? I don't know. So that the devil could figure out who Jesus really was? The devil knew who Jesus was. If you're the son of God, he lobs out a few times. Why would God have Jesus be tempted by the devil? I don't think it had anything to do with Jesus. I think it had everything to do with the devil. I think God had Jesus go out into the desert to be tempted by the devil so that the devil could realize that Jesus knew who he was. See, the devil didn't know that Jesus knew who he was. All he knew was there's this Jesus, and if you're really the son of God, if, 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 if. He wasn't sure that Jesus really understood it. How do I know? Over, he has the same thing to you and me, right? 
Who does the devil think that you think you are? Who does he think that you think you are? Does he think that you think you are the daughter of God, the able to do immeasurably, abundantly more than you could ever ask or think? Does he think that you that all things through Christ could be yours or, and walked it out through Christ that gives you strength? Does he think you think that? Does he think that, like, like Pastor Dave came up here and shared about giving, that you can trust God with your finances? Does he think you think that? Or do you just let him know what you think, which is, I'm never, I can't, I'll always, there's no way, because I'm not enough. So I think God sent Jesus out into the desert so that the devil could realize that Jesus knew exactly who he was. And the devil left. I don't think we know who we are. I don't think we have a clue of who it is that we are. That we understand who God made us to be. Because if we did, I think we would absolutely be filled with joy and peace and patience. And this fruit of the spirit thing would like jump off of you. That love thing would show up patiently, gracefully, with kindness. It would just show up. with You'd be like all about it. You'd be set free from that thing that you're hung up by. If you knew who it was that you really are. The devil doesn't want you to know because he knows if you do, he'll lose his grip on you. Someone say, oh, wow, or something. Right? <laughs> You're just staring at me. Hmm. Hmm. Last week, we talked about our new identities in Christ. And I told you that God's plan for your life is for you to become the best version of you that he intended you to be. And some of you, were, I got texts and emails this week that were kind of like, I've never thought about that before. God's plan for you is for you to become the best you that he intended you to be. It almost sounds a little bit like non-churchy. It almost sounds like just too new agey, right? He wants you to be the best you can be. The truth is, he made you to be you. He didn't make you to be someone else. We kind of tend to think that as new creations, we're supposed to be a new thing. We're a new person. We're a whole new other thing because we don't really like who we are. We don't really like ourselves. So why would I want a newer version of myself? Because I don't like myself as I am. But you see, God's plan for you is for you to be the best version of you possible. Do you realize that the best version of you, listen to this, the best version of you actually loves God? The best version of you actually wants to be with God? The best version of you reads his Bible and prays when she sits down? The best version of you like wants to walk obediently with Christ? The best version of you is what God's plan is. We're like, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm not so sure I want that. So how do you become the best version that God made? How do you become the best version that God intended for you to be? How, how do you become that? How, how do you want to become the best you that God intended you to be? I think it all comes down to those two words. Want to. You realize that nothing ever changes until we want to. Nothing changes. Nothing changes, right? You don't work out until you want to. <laughs> you don't start eating well until you want to. You don't start saving money until you want to. You, you, you can go on, right? You, you don't get enough sleep until you want to. I, I was always thinking it's amazing, right? We, there's a time when our church here, and we'll go back to it, I promise you, eventually. <laughs> we used to have an 8.30 service, right? Some of you were like, yes, and some of you are like, dear God, right? So um, 8.30 service, right? Because people were like, man, that's too early. And people would be like, there'd be a handful of people that were like, Lance, this is awesome. The rest of you were like, I ain't coming, right? 8.30 service, because it's just too early, right? But on my way to the 8.30 service, I think it's amazing, right? I can pull in and the softball fields are full at seven or six. I love softball. In Jesus' name, bring on the softball. 
Softball is not the issue. The issue is the want to. You know why? Because we as humans do what we want to. The want to is what it's really all about. Your transformation is really all about your want to. Do you want to change? Do you want to get help? Do you want to take the medication the doctor prescribed for you? Do you want to? You don't have to want to. You know what the crazy thing is? It's called free will. God gave you a free will. And the great thing about God is he won't violate that. But you can choose to want to. But you don't have to. In fact, I think the, the devil isn't your biggest problem to change. We kind of tend to think the devil's our biggest problem to change. You know, he's really, the devil's not your biggest problem to change. The biggest problem to our change is not the devil. It's our want to want to. Because you, how do I know? <laughs> because it's the same for you and for me, right? I'm not going to change unless I want to. A couple of years ago, the doctor said, Lance, you have diabetes. You better do something. And I was like, I don't want to. He's like, well, you're going to die. And I was like, well, Okay. Okay, so now I walk every day, right? And I try to eat better, but the truth is, it's like, I, I didn't want to until I had to, right? Some of us are funny because we're just like, you know, uh, I want to get better. I want to become the best version of myself because I, well, I should, you know, I should do that. <laughs> you know, I, well, you know, I need to, Lance, you're right, I need to, right? I should, I need to, or, ah, shoot, I have to. I have to do this. I just have to do this. Can I tell you the want to Oops, absolutely trumps need to, have to, and should do. Because the would, should, all that business will do nothing until you want. The real question for you today is this. Do you want to become the best version of who God intended you to be or not? The great thing about God is that it's up to you. He's got stuff for you. Do you want to find out who God says that you are? You can do it if you want to. Uh, or you can just listen to it and be another sermon that you just chalk up as something you've heard. Yeah, everything inside of me wants to rip into a bunch of scriptures that God says about you. And I'm holding back because I want to tell you what he says about you. But I feel like the Lord is saying, don't tell them until they want to hear it. Because maybe you do want to hear it. I'm going to break it out next week, so you better want to next week. I'm, I'm telling you, right? <laughs> but do you want to? Do you want to be different? Do you want to become the best version of you? Because if you don't want to, you don't have to. So how do you get the want to? How do you develop the want to in your life? How do you grow this thing called want to when you don't really feel like it? Because want to trumps feeling all the time. The problem is, is that we live with our feelings before we'll live with the facts or the truth of what we want to do. Because want to is supposed to trump your feelings. How do you develop the want to? Number one, to develop the want to, the first thing we need to do is to be honest with ourselves. If you want to develop the want to, you need to be honest with yourself. And I'll tell you one thing that we do really well is we lie to ourselves really well. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 3. It says, as God's messenger, I give you this warning to be honest in your estimate of yourself. Be honest in your estimate of yourself. Be honest in your estimate of yourself. In other words, you need to ask yourself, is life going the way I wanted it to go right now? Be honest. Am I on the trajectory that I've always planned on being? Be honest, right? You're the only one who can be honest with you. Problem is, is we actually lie to ourselves. You gotta be honest with you because it's only you and God that knows the truth. Are you okay with where God has called you? Because the truth is, we're never gonna change until we're honest. 
honest with yourself. You, you need to have an honest assessment, as Romans says, of yourself. Be, be honest with yourself. Come to terms with who it is that you are. Because if you really aren't happy with where God has called you to, or where you're walking, or not walking in what God's called you to be, if you're really not at peace with that, and you don't have the want to, want to, you gotta be honest with yourself. You know, every, uh, every recovery program realizes that. Change won't happen until you're honest with yourself, until you realize that you're incapable, you don't have the strength or the power, that you can't fix it yourself. Every recovery program says, hey, listen, the first thing you need to do is realize that you can't fix it, that you're powerless over your situation. Every recovery program says that except, well, us. Because we're like, apparently not in need of recovery. <laughs> My brother, sister, if you breathe and blink all by yourself, you're in need of recovery. If your identity's been stolen, then we need to get that thing back. We spend millions of dollars on identity theft issues. We put up passwords and firewalls, but we'll do nothing for our own identity. We will block nothing from the enemy. But for our finances, we'll put it all up, man. We're just no way. You're not getting through this thing. I got My bank will, t- will text me or email me and say, change your password again. And I'm like, stop it. I can't remember it last time. <laughs> Come on. It does it automatically, right? Can you imagine if you got a text from heaven? Hey, your identity is being sought after. What are you doing to protect it? Nothing. My firewall's wide open because I'm not enough. Hmm. We need to be honest with ourselves. Number two, how do you develop the want to? Be honest with yourself. And number two, acknowledge your weakness. Acknowledge that you can't do it. Ephesians 4.22 says, throw off your old evil nature and your former way of life, which is rotten through and through, full of lust and deception. Instead, there must be spiritual renewal in your thoughts and attitudes. You must display the new nature because you are a new person created in God's likeness, righteous, holy, and true. We gotta acknowledge our weakness. We gotta acknowledge our weakness. See, the problem is, is that we'll end up trying to say to ourselves, okay, if I'm gonna acknowledge my weakness, um, here's how, how do you do that? How do you acknowledge your weakness? Just, uh, I can't, I can't, I can't. No, you gotta acknowledge your weakness. You gotta realize that you're incapable of solving your problem by yourself. And you came to realize that you can't make this thing happen and that you don't have the strength to do it. I love it when God even comes up and says, listen, when you're weak, I'll be strong. We read that scripture and say, I'll never be weak. I always be strong. We even pray, God, make me stronger, make me stronger. Sometimes I think we should pray, God, make me weaker. Lord, make me super weak so I can depend on you a lot. Give me strength, God. Give me strength so I don't have to trust you. See, the devil twists everything. We need to realize that we can't pull it off on ourselves and acknowledge our weakness. Listen to this. Step two of the recovery program says this. I, became, I came to believe that only God can restore me to my sanity. In other words, you can't do it yourself. How do I know? Ask Dr. Phil. He knows you can't do enough to come yourself to your own sanity. Acknowledge your weakness. Number three, how do you develop the want to? Number three, surrender your will. Romans 12, 2 says this. Don't copy the customs and behaviors of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God wants you to do, and you will know how good and pleasing his perfect will is. 
We need to surrender our will to God. What does that mean? Just like become brainless? No, surrender your will. That means like those times when you get those, those voices that say, you're, you're not enough, you're worthless, you're crazy. You say, okay, you're right, I am. But you know what? God is, God's my God. He's my father. You know, if you've got a problem with me, devil, talk to him. He's my dad. See, we need to surrender our will. But our will stands up and says, you know what? I am too. I'm just good. How come? Because you have nothing. What did Jesus do when the devil came and messed with his identity? He didn't fight in his own strength. He fought with the word of God. Let me tell you what God's word said. Let me tell you what God's word said. Let me tell you what God's word said. See, the truth is, is we don't know who we are because we don't know what God's word says about us. Remember last week we talked about King Josiah? King Josiah in the Old Testament, he was that eight-year-old king. Some of you are like, oh, that's a bad idea. Eight-year-old king, right? He was the eight-year-old king who did a pretty good job, right? 16 years old, he decides to create all these religious reforms and all these wonderful things in Israel. But something happened when he was about 26 years old. When somebody went and found what the Bible actually says about him, and he went from being a really good king to being the best version of himself because he saw what God said about him 309 years before he was born. Do you have any idea what God says about you? Longer than 309 years before you? He says a lot of things about you. But we need to surrender our will to try to define ourselves so much. We try to hide behind our, our prestige. We, we try to hide behind our money. We try to hide behind all the things that try to make us look good. We just try to continue to hide behind all sorts of, of crazy plexiglass in hopes that no one can actually get in to see who we are. Surrender. We have to surrender our will. Hmm. Do you realize that God can't change what you won't surrender? God can't change what you won't surrender. Somebody tweet that out. God can't change what you won't surrender. I'm telling you. Why? God can't change what you won't surrender. Why? Because God will never violate his covenant with you. God's covenant with you was, I've given you free will. And if you don't want to change, you don't have to change. But if you surrender your will, Oh, he'll change you. He'll change you. God can't change what you won't surrender. The real issue is, is do you want to, want to change? Do you want to surrender your will completely to God and turn it over to him and say, God, listen, I have made a mess of stuff. I've been believing lies about myself. I don't even know who you are. I don't know who I am. The devil asks me who it is that I am. I don't even know. So you just become this completely blank whiteboard that he just keeps on writing who you are over and over. Okay, I guess that's me. But could you imagine if you finally realized who God says that you are? So this morning, all my question for you is this. Do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want to find out what God says about you? That, that's the, the whole message for you today is this. Do you want to? Because if you want to, then you buckle up. Because I'm telling you, when you begin to understand that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that there is no weapon formed against you that will prosper, that, that, that all, of heaven and, all of heaven stands beside you and behind you. And when the enemy comes up to mess with you, you can say, no, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. See, the Bible lobs out a whole bunch of stuff about you. But until you actually want to believe it, it's just a lot of great Hallmark verses that really look good on your bathroom mirror. 
And you want to believe him. You think you need to believe him. You should believe him. You might even have to believe him. But really, do you want, do you want to want to believe what it says? So can we pray? Jesus, this morning, we come before you and we just say thank you for who you are. God, I want to say thank you for leading Jesus out into the desert. I've always questioned that, Lord. You know me. You know, I've always wondered what that was about. But God, when I, I read this last week, that I think you led him out into the desert so that the devil could see that Jesus knew who he was. Lord, I know that there are people today who feel like they've been led out into the desert. And the devil's wanting to ask us who it is that we think we are. And I think he, he has a real good understanding because we keep on listening to him. When he comes up and says, turn that stone into bread, we say, how much? When he says, jump off that building, God will protect you. Where do I do it? God, I pray this morning that we would stop and realize what you say because we want to know what you say. Right now, just between you and him, you're just quiet, your eyes are closed. You and him, and no other voices are going on, right? Just you and him. And my question for you, if I could be your pastor this morning, is to ask you this, do you want to know what he says about you? You don't have to. Don't waste your time if you don't want to. But if you want to know what he says about you, then prepare your hearts to receive for you to be transformed and find the peace that passes understanding. Find a joy that you never thought was possible. Discover purpose that God put you on the planet for and learn to become the best version of who you, God, intended you to be. Right now, just you and him. Jesus, I want to know what you I, I, I want to know what you, say, what you say of me. I want to know who you think I am. Just tell him right now, Jesus, I need that. Because Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you. Because you are a Adore, sing Jesus, Jesus, we love you. Oh, how we love you! Oh, you are the one our hearts adore. Lord, I pray that you seal this word in our hearts. Seal this word in our hearts that the devil can't take it away. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen? You ready?